This is a space where we explore what it means to live our nature. Vibrant, multidimensional, attuned, creative, in collaboration with nature. Because this is how we experience the fullness of life and relationships, love and creative expression. And I believe that living our lives in this way, as a kind of practice of inhabiting our wholeness, is also how we offer our greatest contributions to the collective. I'm Gray Tanner, and this is The Luminous Slow. Dear Blank, do you know about quantum entanglement? It's when two particles interact in such a special way that even if you separate them, their movements will continue to affect one another. You could be in Los Angeles with one of these particles, and I could be in New York, and if your particle spins a certain way, my particle will spin that way too. This connection happens instantaneously, which is to say that it's faster than the speed of light. This is such a remarkable scientific fact that I can't understand why everyone isn't talking about it every day. This is more important than healthcare or algebra or the housing market. You could say that our desire to bridge distance is what is killing us. More and more, we want to get to places faster and we are burning ourselves up to make that happen. It doesn't make any sense. If we are already connected to everything, we can stay right where we are. There are cords around your heart connecting you to different emotions and places and people. You can't see them physically, but that doesn't matter. When you love something, your heart ties itself around it, like it's tying a string around something it doesn't want to forget. There is a cord that runs from my heart to yours, for example, and it goes right through the center of the earth. It is a long, stretchy cord. Sometimes it has slack in it and I can't feel your pull and I wonder if you're still there or if you've slipped out of it somehow. Other times it tightens and I can feel every movement and I know what you're feeling without you even telling me. This cord doesn't obey borders or pacts of marriage or care how many babies you've passed through your body. It's an interloper and it breaks all the rules of human society and maybe that's why nobody wants to talk about it. We don't ever have to talk about it, but still, I promise you, that cord is there. You don't even have to wait for the achingly slow currents of light to bring you these messages. They are already there. Yours, presently, Nick. Hey y'all, welcome to the pod. And Happy New Year's Eve. The passage I've just read to you is from a book called Get It While You Can by Nick Jaina. And this is a book that came into my life most serendipitously in the summer of 2015. And it quickly became one of my favorites. And all these years later, it still is. And when I sat down to make notes for this second installment of the pod, 
this book and that passage were not on my radar. And I was writing, making notes on some different topics, and there was something I wanted to include that I'd read in the book and I, on another topic, and I wanted to verify some details on it. So I went to the bookshelf and I began flipping through to find what I was looking for, and I just found myself reading some of the different essays and letters and things and following feelings and impulses and then organically found myself in these contemplative rabbit holes and started feeling what I had planned for this episode was maybe not meant for just now, that it would be something else instead. And And this podcast is already, after only one published episode before this, getting a bit funny. The episode that became the opener was never one I intended to write, and it came through in the midst of writing about what I thought was going to be the first, so the first then became the second, and for the last couple of weeks, I've been imagining that that's what I'd share next, only to find in the last 24 hours or so of contemplation and writing and reflecting on this year that I was feeling called in a different direction. So I began writing a third that would be a second, only to today as I was moving toward finalizing some notes on that, that this other thread felt like it wanted to be followed. And if you haven't listened to episode zero, in that, I, th- I talk about how one of the ways I'm approaching this podcast, this creative endeavor, is as a permission-giving space. So for me to move more in accordance with my creative creative impulses and the timing of them, um, rather than on certain timelines or with certain expectations and structures and you know things like that in mind. And it's amazing how in just giving air to those words as I did in that first recording, like what kinds of spaces have opened within me and for me. And also through some of the reflections and feedback that some of you have offered around what I already shared, certain fears and resistances and things in me have subsided a bit. And so as a consequence of these things, I've felt a surge of creative inspiration over these last 10 days since I launched and a desire to just hole up in my cozy space and write and gather materials and resources and to weave it all together and just record a fuck ton. Like I feel so much within me that wants to come through and that feels really exciting, exciting. There's this pregnant feeling And alongside that, I've been navigating some pretty big, heartbreaking, challenging things in my personal life, in multiple spaces and relationships. And I think I've cried every single day of the last two weeks, which is very unusual for me. I do cry often, but not like that. Not like this. But there's just been this water that wants to flow. Um, this shit that, that feels like it needs to move through me. 
And that's all been emotionally and physically exhausting and requiring of tons of bandwidth. And so I haven't actually had a lot of space and, or energy to drop in and be with a lot of the material and my creative pr process in some of the ways that I want, that I might want. So it's been really interesting to hold the paradoxes of moving through this birth, rebirth portal of launching this pod that was, that was in gestation for so many years and is part of this larger constellation of offerings that I'm birthing and in the process of birthing. And then literally simultaneously and very unexpectedly having what feel like these kinds of grief and death portals appearing that I've been also needing to, to move through. So, so much life force and harnessing of potential and excitement and also so much grief and surrender and death. Like this expansion followed by contraction, this, this great both and, you know. And so all of this is happening for me and then all of that is happening within the context, this larger context of a holiday season that's often hard for me for a lot of reasons, as it is for a lot of us. It's this kind of poignant time that is celebratory or meant to be, and that can also be somber. And this reminder of what we've lost or maybe what we're estranged from. And that's all happening and yet a larger context of a really challenging year for us collectively on a lot of fronts. And especially in these last months of war in Israel and Palestine. And while there is a lot of war and genocide happening across the globe, this feels different in a lot of ways. There's a, a recognition of a different significance and perhaps these wider global implications than we've seen or will see from some of these other conflicts. So there's this, this devastation in real time, and then there's also this holding of what's as yet unseen or unmanifest. And a lot of us are feeling that, even if we can't quite name it. And then, you know, I think about how all of that is happening in this other larger context of what is this transitional space between one year and the next and in what for those of us in the northern hemisphere is winter. And I imagine most of you listening are experiencing winter now. And what are all the, the more energetic implications of this season and this transition. So the one where there's this, this great collective transition or more, appropriate, more appropriately, a construct of transition where we've decided that one day on a calendar marks an ending and another day is a beginning, like very tidy. And this new year, new you, new life, right? And then the implications of again in the Northern Hemisphere a natural environment, a natural world that's on a different wavelength entirely. You know, one who's 
energy is not that of rebirth and assertiveness and big changes, but of calling and containing and conserving energy. It's like incubating, allowing. You know, winter is what's considered in different languages of energetics and wisdom traditions, the most yin or feminine or passive time of year. And these qualities will tend to be more apparent or strongly felt in environments with greater variations in seasonality. So, so there is a spectrum. You know, um, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. So winter there was really just like a less hot, but not less sunny version of the climate for most of the rest of the year. And the, and the desert plant life didn't change a great deal throughout the year. So, but for a long time, I've, now I've been living in Portland, Oregon, where we have proper seasons and big shifts in sunlight and botanical life throughout the year. So I definitely feel the seasonal shifts more acutely. And, and some of that will come through um, mood and energy shifts that correspond to light shifts and hormonal shifts and all of that. Right? So for a lot of us, nature is wintering. And nor in the space does nature and it's this transition, like just flip a switch like we do with a calendar. It's transitions usually more gradual than we tend to allow for as humans and in our organizations and work and lives and all of that. So there are all these layers of context from the individual and you can sub your own personal contexts for mine. And then there are these larger and larger collective and systemic ones. And it's all happening. And there's a lot of dissonance, like cognitively and culturally, and ultimately, I think for a lot of us, in body and spirit. There's so much to hold, and it can feel hard to move or to know how to move. And yet there are these kinds of pressures like from without and from within sometimes to move, like to act, to change. And I'm going to talk about that in what, at least right now, <laughs> I expect to be the next episode um, that will likely come out in the next couple few days um, a bit more about some of those environmental con contexts and their impacts on our physiology, on our moods and energy levels and such, and, and how supportive or not it all may be to have it change and personal development efforts and things, you know, for a new year. Um, so tune into that for some deeper exploration around this, if that's of interest. But um, for now, I want to focus more in these last moments of the year, this liminal space that we're all in, about how maybe the most aligned, nourishing thing that we can do for ourselves, for this next year of our lives, and all of the aspects of them, maybe it's to actually be in this between place, and to pause and to just allow ourselves to feel all that is present for us. 
all the paradox and the pain and the hope and the desperation and the gratitude and the despair and, and, and. But like to feel our, our closest contexts, like our bodies and our feelings. Just giving of space for what is. Because like how many of you in the last couple of weeks, many of you may be on holiday from work and things. How many of you have been running around from one social or family obligation to the next and buying things and cleaning things and making things and planning things? And maybe you've made it to this last weekend of your quote vacation and you're more exhausted than when you started and you haven't had much rest time maybe even no alone time. And you're also supposed to be setting intentions and getting your shit together and planning for a new year ahead and all the head spinning things that we can ask ourselves or expect of ourselves. Like maybe you've been so busy doing that you haven't been feeling all of what's there in you and with you and around you. And I think as much as we might like to think otherwise, as much as we might have been conditioned to believe otherwise, our feelings are meant for feeling. That is their whole purpose. And feelings are a bodily experience. They are meant to be felt through our senses. They're meant to move us and be moved through us. And not feeling through distraction and numbing out and dissociation and all the creative ways we find, you know, like overeating and scrolling and drinking and busyness and workaholism and shopping and whatnot. All of that not requ- not feeling actually requires a lot of energy holding at bay what is effectively our humanity is no small task because we're designed to feel and it exacts a huge toll on our bodies and our systems And a lot of us don't realize this, but it does. This is a kind of disconnection from ourselves that makes us sick. Because our bodies try to speak to us through feelings, through sensations. And when we don't listen, when we ignore and deny and distract on repeat, chronically, our bodies have to adapt their communication. They have to begin to shout to make themselves heard through other means. And that often means illness and chronic pains and stresses and headaches and emotional reactivity, etc. That that we then redouble our efforts to avoid feeling and being with because they don't feel nice. So it's this vicious cycle 
that's so common and it's no wonder so many of us feel like shit. But what our feelings want is space. Acknowledgement to flow. They are literally energy in motion. Now, something I learned a couple of years ago that I find fascinating is that the life cycle of an emotion, chemically speaking, if it's simply allowed to happen and then measured as it moves through the body, it averages something like eight seconds. It's this chemical cascade that's asking for eight seconds of our lives on average. If it's allowed to be felt in the moment. And that's practically nothing. You know how sometimes just saying something aloud that's been eating at you, how that can provide this massive discharge of energy? Or if your partner just holding space for you to share feelings, how that can feel like putting a weighted backpack down. Or how giving over to a good cry for a couple of minutes can feel so cathartic. And through these temporary allowances, we gain more. Like we open into and find greater clarity of thought or presence. Like pathways can become clearer for us. But how much fucking time and energy do we spend running away from and avoiding these things that might actually only require 10 seconds or so of discomfort of our truly being within ourselves for a moment? You know? I think... If you're paying attention to life, you're likely feeling a lot of things, a lot of big things, and navigating a lot. We are bombarded with stimuli and things to feel. And maybe you can't parse out all of the feelings, but there's just this sense of weight or intensity or depression, this existential dread. And... If you're like a lot of us, you're li- you've likely been doing a lot of this not feeling and not being in your body over the course of your life. And if any of this is you, and especially if you do desire to make big changes in the coming year through you know resolutions or uh, goal setting or otherwise, to expand yourself, to evolve yourself, One of the most supportive things I think you can offer yourself now is some space to feel yourself. One of the things I often say a lot of times to myself is the only way out is through. If you're finding your way out of a situation without actually tending to the content of it, I doubt you're actually out of it. Like You might think you are, But that material, that unprocessed shit, will lie in wait for you until another time. You know, another person, another situation. But it's not gone. And it's not benign. So if there are things you want to heal in yourself and your life, if you want something different 
for your life, like real lasting change, go to your body. If you want to heal it, you have to feel it. And incredible healing, transmutation, or alchemy, it's available to you, to all of us, if we have the courage to feel our feelings. And if we make a practice of meeting ourselves in this way. That is one of the most important impactful things I've learned in my life. So yes, there's this kind of portal that we're stepping through from this year to the next. And if you're here envisioning 2024 as this one in which you'd like to live differently, be differently, consider that the portal to that version of yourself may be in the spaces that you're avoiding. It may be in the recesses of your inner world. And maybe what this time is really asking of you is not to act, but to allow, to reflect and feel and call where is needed and to transmute energies and clarify so that when spring comes or your spring comes, you're better resourced to act on your desires and follow your impulses. And maybe this season, this liminal space is asking you to trust in the process, to flow where the energies take you. And today and in these last days with the pod, I'm meeting some feelings and impulses and I've allowed myself to follow them and to allow certain transmissions to come through to go off script. And I've been trying to turn toward all of the bigness and the pains in my life and in my own body, even though they weren't the plan and even though they feel at odds with other energies moving through me to allow it all that there's this sense of a yes, but not yet, where some of my creative energy is concerned that there will be a time and it's not now, that these other things need my presence more now. And I'm not exactly sure why I'm sharing all of this today instead of the something else's, except that you know, maybe this is what needs to be expressed. Maybe one of you needs and finds medicine in this now. And I don't know where all these portals I'm going through will take me, but I am choosing. Even though parts of me want to resist and numb out and run away and avoid, I'm choosing to trust in myself and my body and what's bigger than me and guiding my life. And I'm practicing the not knowing and I'm practicing feeling my way through.
So remember the entanglement of particles, right? Of instantaneous shifts across time space, faster than the speed of light. And maybe consider what are your entanglements? To where do the cords of your heart and your spirit lead? And from where? And what might shift in you and in your life? What chemical or quantum cascades might be liberated through a bit of being with the energy of what is alive in you? Of what's ready to move you? What's ready to be moved by you? So if you choose to take some space today or in these early days of the new year to sit with yourself, I'd like to offer a breathing practice that might support the process. And this is one that I first learned through the yogic tradition of pranayama, which is conscious or controlled breathing practices. I should say what are. Uh, so if you've taken yoga or meditation classes with me or others, you're likely familiar with it. It's often called box breathing. And I also learned that Navy SEALs and special forces use this technique as well, though they refer to it as tactical breathing. So it's this four-part breath, each part of equal duration. So for example, it's a four-second inhalation. And you can imagine me tracing a line upward with my finger, the side of a box. And then there's a four second breath hold, tracing the top edge of the box with my finger, followed by a four second exhalation, another side, and finally a four second breath hold, the bottom edge of the box. Okay, so inhale, hold, exhale, hold, all for the same number of seconds. And the length of those is determined by your own level of comfort and in ease. So I'd say start with four to five seconds and see how that feels. Because you don't want to feel too labored in moving through this. So shorten or lengthen as at the sides of your box, as it were, as you see fit. And, you know, if you cultivate a practice of box breathing you're likely to naturally require longer intervals. So, excuse me, so this breathing exercise is a really beautiful system balancing one. And by balancing the length of the inhale and the exhale, this supports a balancing of the two primary branches of the autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. And the sympathetic being our more activating, assertive branch we associate with fight or flight. And the parasympathetic, the more calming, passive, um, acti uh, often called rest and digest branch. So it supports being in this kind of middle way of activation, kind of baseline state. And then that allows us to be more responsive to our environments. So this is ideal. And um, so equal inhale, exhale, nervous system balancing support. 
And then by holding the breath, both with full lungs and then empty lungs, that supports a balancing in the body of oxygen and carbon dioxide. And so by balancing, I don't mean like in any of these aspects that it's like exactly equal measures of inputs or states, just this kind of relative balancing where we're balancing nervous system states and these chemical states that drive emotion and cognition and feeling state and alertness and clarity or lack thereof, so many things. So it really brings you into your body and to your felt sense and into presence. So when you do this box breathing, I recommend that you take a comfortable seat, like whatever that means for you, and closing down your eyes if that feels safe in your body to do, and then counting silently to yourself. One, two, three, four. And as you breathe, maybe your full awareness is on the counting, um, or maybe you can both count and be with felt senses and sensations. So in this case, you'd be like maybe noticing the rise and fall of your chest or your belly or the air passing through your nose. Um, oh, I, I should mention, um, try to do this breath work with um, air passing through the nose only. So inhaling through the nose, holding, exhaling through the nose, holding. And as you continue this four-part breath for several cycles or maybe even up to five minutes, like even just a few breath cycles can elicit a meaningful state change. So you can play with it, but you can definitely extend. And I find box breathing is a really beautiful practice to use prior to sitting for a contemplative or journaling practice or when you're preparing to explore the body and the inner world. And because it's just an overall great way to balance your shit, you can, you can use it before a meeting or a dinner with your relatives or an important conversation. Yeah. In fact, I did, I did some box breathing before I started recording. So, um, yeah, give that a try and if you do and it's new to you, let me know your thoughts. Um, yeah, otherwise, y'all, uh, 2023 has been devastating and beautiful and expansive and contractive and just a wild fucking ride for me. And I will probably talk more about that as we near my birthday at the end of January. Because in recent years, I've kind of taken to treating that more as a personal New Year time, since it's only a month after the New Year, and just kind of taking December and January to winter and to practice a lot of these things that I've been sharing with you today. Um, but as we do enter this New Year, I'm sending you so much love wherever you are in spirit or geography and I'm wishing for all of us in the coming year greater embodiment and expansion and feeling into more of the fullness of ourselves and of more grace and navigating the paradoxes of ourselves and our world and this life because shit is hard 
And with that, before I go, I'm going to share with you another favorite written thing. It's a kind of New Year offering. And it's a poem by the late Irish poet and mystic John O'Donohue. And it's one that, it's a poem that came to me shortly before my brother died in 2016. And it was such a salve to me during those, those early, most excruciating days. And it's one that I've since found myself returning to during some of my more dark and challenging times. And that I've offered to others in some of theirs. So John wrote this poem for his mother after his father's death. And there's a word in the poem that I want to call out, which is kerach. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly-ish. And it refers to a kind of traditional Irish boat that's typically covered in canvas or animal skins. So there's a boat in the poem. Um, and finally, I've never, not one time ever, read this poem and not cried and struggled to get through it. So there will probably be that too. And the poem is called Benacht, or Blessing in Gaelic. Mm. On the day when the weight deadens on your shoulders and you stumble, may the clay dance to balance you. And when your eyes freeze behind the gray window, and the ghost of loss gets into you. May a flock of colors, indigo, red, green, and azure blue, come to awaken in you a meadow of delight. When the canvas frays and the karach of thought and a stain of ocean blackens beneath you, may there come across the waters a path of yellow moonlight to bring you safely home. May the nourishment of the earth be yours. May the clarity of light be yours. May the fluency of the ocean be yours. May the protection of the ancestors be yours. And so may a slow wind work these words of love around you an invisible cloak to mind your life. <sighs> Blessings to all of you in the new year. Thank you for being here. <laughs>